Hey, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Vialucci Podcast. Honest, uncensored, and unedited discussions about life and everything in it. So sit back, relax, and let's start the show. We're live, we're live, we're live, we're live. We're live. Good shot. Just about. This is the Oscars t-shirt thing. Well, because of Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, I'm, I'm supporting Bohemian Rhapsody. Okay. Good this is my Bohemian Rhapsody t-shirt. Mm-hmm. We queen are performing. Oh, what you got on? What's are they? They're queen. They've. They're apparently. I heard the other week they are performing at the Oscars this tonight. So that's going to be good. I'm assuming they're performing, are they? Yeah, they've. That, that was the. Does that mean they're getting an award then? Well, they've produced Bohemian Rhapsody. No, but so I mean, nominated. because they're on there, are they definitely. No, no, get... they're nom- They're nominated as producers. No, but they're... that's what I'm saying. Because they're actually doing music at the Oscars. Yeah. Does that mean they're sort of guaranteed a win? Nah, no, no. Win. It's 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 like um, because it's. Because of Bohemian Rhapsody doing so well, I mean, it's um, it's defied the odds. I think it's done probably incredible business. I mean, it's probably one of the most successful music biographies ever done. But I think because it celebrates Freddie Mercury's life, um, I still have fond memories of seeing Queen at Wembley in '86. Yeah, and I loved it. I was right at the back, and um, so Freddie it, Mercury's there. Yeah, I, I went on. I went on the second gig. It was the second concert at Wembley on the Saturday. A year off, almost a year to the day after Live Aid. Yeah. And it was just a magic day. You just realize how good they were. I mean, unfortunately, you you could only see, um, they had one monitor, and of course, it was about two seconds delay, so it looked awful. Yeah. And okay. you could, you know, I saw Freddie Mercury like a speck, like an ant on the stage. <laughs> but but he, he was, even then, you know, it was like hearing the music like two and a half hours, and it was the old Wembley, and I was right at the back, so... And then I think it was In Excess opened. In Excess had not made the grade at... Um, yeah, I was going to say, that must be old yeah. film to open. And then the alarm were on. And then actually, Status Quo were the key support, but they blew everybody away. I mean, we, we and we actually... We're, come on, we want more Status Quo, more Status Quo. And then they went straight into... Um, and then the concert was like, they went into One Vision. I mean, Queen Live at Wembley is available anyway. You can watch it. Um, and there's a great documentary called Queen Magic Years, which is three parts. And the very last... Um, the very last part actually features everything from Is This the World Recreated and shows some rare backstage stuff. Oh, okay. So Mick Jagger's there and Cliff Richard and Paul King of King. Remember Love and Pride? Yeah. Um, and like Fish is on there. And, and then they had a party at the Kensington Roof Gardens. And it was there like was a real- band called Fish. No, Marillion, the lead singer. Oh, right. Um, but they had, um, and Sam Fox was on, and there's a really funny clip of... You're talking about the page three bird? Yeah. Oh. She actually was at the... Well, you know... <laughs> I, mean, she, I got that reference. No, but she, but she was also a singer in the 80s. Yeah. She had a couple of... Yeah, you she know, sang... Touch, um, me, touch, touch me. I Want to Feel Your Body, and there was like... Um, She's a lesbian now, isn't she? I think <laughs> yeah. no, I don't know. I mean... No, I think so. I think... Um, yeah, I think she is. But I think she was always gay, which just kept out the public really? eye. Really? Yeah, I think so. I could be I wrong. mean, she had an infamous scene <laughs> where she was on a, on a TV show, and she was incredibly... She was wasted, and she was... And she... It's one of the most... You know, like on those most embarrassing mm. things. Mm. But in this clip, um, Freddie Mercury sort of grabbed her from behind and she's sort of, they're singing like um, Tutti Frutti. So they're literally on stage doing like the party. And then, and then they went off to the Nepstadion in Budapest. Yeah. And what was weird was Freddie Mercury said at the time in this interview, he said, I can't imagine myself prancing around the stage when I'm 60. He said that, you know, and the, uh. the funny thing is it was five years. And then, of course, you know, five years later, he... Um, you know, he, he sadly passed away. 
Um, right. Well, <laughs> right. Let's get to the, the point of the show. Yeah. So, what, what is this show? Um, okay. Uh, so, what it is is, I thought we'd do a bit of a historical celebration of some of those key performances. So, what I've done at in the, the Oscars. Oscars. So, I've picked six lead actress roles from 1971 onwards. Six lead actor roles from 1971 onwards, and then six best films. Now, why did you choose 71? I was going to say. I just thought these, it's more modern, and I think also when you look at some of the performances, they're the ones that I, I, they're the ones that I've probably seen. I mean, there are one or two in previous to, um, you know, previous to before that. I mean, Gone with the Wind. Back by then, you're not going to know who's who and what's what. Okay, so go on. Okay, so I'm going to read these out. I'm going to read out the best actress ones that I've picked. And then we'll discuss them. So in this best act, the ones that I've chosen are Jane Fonda in Clute. In what? Clute. So how are you spelling that? K-L-U-T-E. K-L-U-T-E. What does that mean? It's, I'll, I'll, I'll explain to you oh, in a minute, okay. Um, Louise Fletcher in One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah. Kathy Bates in Misery. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Holly Hunter in The Piano. Francis McDormand in Fargo and Marion Cotillard in La Vie en Rose. Now, the way I've selected is I've picked like the perform the ones where the the, the actors transformed. Right. So these are your top out. These, these I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not doing it like a top five. What no, no, I no, did no. was I just thought I, these are the six performances that I feel are kind of memorable for me. So. In the first case, Jane Fonda is Clute. She's a hooker called Bree Daniels. Now, Clute is the Donald Sutherland character in the film. So there's a relationship between he's, an, he's investigating um, Bree Daniels. Um, what, what's her problem? She's she's a hooker. Oh, okay, right. And so investigating her, she's sort of it's like a it's a like a mystery or something. And it was well, directed okay. by the late Alan P- J. Bakulu, who did Presumed Innocent. And um, there's a really funny moment where she's making love to a client and then she's looking at the watch like Jesus. that anyway. Um, but the distinct, the, <laughs> the thing I remember about it was the opening shot is of a tape recorder and you hear the voices and stuff. I did watch it recently at the NFT. Um, so it's, that's an interesting one. It's, um, and of course at the time she just won it because she was still known as Hanoi Jane. Cause she, you know, she went oh, to yeah, Vietnam, the, and the yeah. Vietnam oh. war and she was, um, and there was a lot of protests and stuff. And what year was this? 1971. Has Jane she, Fonda? Yeah. yeah. So she has she since apologised for that? Is that right? Am I I right? think she's... Hang I on, th- apologised for what? So she went to Vietnam. I'm yeah. probably misremembering. The real person. Yeah, yeah, Jane Fonda, the actress. Yeah. So she was very, um, as many people were, anti-war. Oh, right. But she was perhaps almost to the point of being pro-North oh, Vietnamese right, almost. Almost like anti-American sort of thing. Yeah. There and was, then there's a famous image of her wearing a, uh, wearing a helmet and then she that was henceforth known as Hanoi Jane. Yeah. When she won the Oscar, she actually said on stage, she said, there's a lot of things I could say and that we'll say, but I just want to say thank you. And so she, I think since then, like everything hindsight, she's kind of become more reflective like most people do. It's like you... You kind mm. of at the time it it may seem like a good thing. Um, how old was she at this time? She must have been young. She was nineteen thirty seven, nineteen sixty seven. She was about thirty four. Yeah. So she's still alive. Yeah. yeah. Oh bloody hell! Yeah. She had a because she had a long. Because uh, I know like the name. So yeah, she had quite a long time out. And she did fitness videos. Yeah, didn't but she, she did a, like she did James Fonda's workout, which was like the big fat of the eighties. And then she did the recently she did the. Um, well, she did a movie with Robert Redford, but it was Our Souls at Night. 
Uh, our, our souls at night. Unfortunately, Graham Norton picked up and said, well, you've got to play. <laughs> she was on it and said, well, you do realise if you say it fast, <laughs> our souls at night. Because um, it was like reuniting them after the way we were and stuff. Mm. So that's the first okay. one. Yeah. Um, now, Louise Fletcher, we were talking on the last podcast about the big five and Louise Fletcher won the best actress as Nurch Ratched mm. in One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest. Now, this was based on a... Um, a Ken Casey novel about a guy who fakes being mentally ill. Jack Nicholson. Get, yeah, and he goes into a asylum where he meets a, there's a big Indian called Will Sampson and Danny DeVito's in it and oh, he's in that, Christopher isn't... Lloyd's in it. Did he, um, did DeVito produce it as well? No, he did. Michael Douglas produced it. Okay, yeah. Was um, he not in it though? No, um, Kirk Douglas had the original rights. And Michael Douglas was keen to get into um, into producing, and Kirk Douglas wanted to play the Jack Nicholson, oh, Nicholson okay, right. part, and Michael Douglas produced it, and it was his first experiment with producing, and it won him an Oscar. Oh, not bad right. then, is it? Right, yeah. So it won Best Film, Best Actor, uh, Best Film, Best Director for Milos Forman, Best Actor, Best Actress, and Best oh. Screenplay. Bo Goldman wrote the screenplay. He w- um, he adapted it for um, um, from the Ken Casey novel, um, and actually some of the later, the first copy I bought has actually got Jack Nicholson on there. It's have um, you read the book? I started. I wonder how much true it is to the to the book. It's it's just a great movie. I mean, it's but he he sort of leads a rebellion to bring these characters, and yeah. they, they they leave the asylum and then they go off. But unfortunately, Nurse Louise Fletcher is like the real villainous like she's an absolute um nasty piece of work and it still works today i watched it recently and it's actually still a very powerful movie um and it's kind of like man against the establishment um but unfortunately he um he he suddenly realizes that they try and keep him in because he he starts there's there's a scene where they're trying to get the Trying to, he's trying to get a, a vote on getting the World Series on the TV, and Nurse Ratched sort of gets rid of him. But like anything, you know, anybody in authority that anybody hates, they nickname her as a Nurse Ratched yeah. type. Okay, <clears throat> okay, so that's the second one. Um, probably my favourite of the six that I've got here: Kathy Bates in Misery, Annie Wilkes, mm-hmm. absolutely glorious. Um, this was an adaptation of a Stephen King novel. James Kahn played the... Oh, it was Stephen King. Um, so James Kahn is a writer who writes books, and he's got a favourite character called Misery Chastain. So he's just completed the latest book, and he's in a snowstorm, and Annie Wilkes, a nurse, um, saves him and takes him, to a, takes him to a cabin. And, of course, he's got, he's got the manuscript that they think, I want, and he's got to get it. And he says, is this the new book? And then all of a sudden, he, he he's sitting there like in the bed and he wakes up and he goes, how could you do it? You've killed her. Hmm. And then that becomes the dynamic. She's totally psychotic. But it also has one of the most, let's just say, just just be sure that you you just look down where your feet are in this particular scene <laughs> with the sledgehammer. I mean, it's like there's a scene where oh, Jesus, yeah. every, every time... Spoiler alert! But literally, when she sort of nobbles his his nobbles his um his foot, it's like we all every time I was in a screening of that, and everybody everybody yeah. flinched. We're like, what the? I feel it now in my yeah, legs. Like, yeah. It's almost like when you watch Jaws and you just have to sort of take your feet off the carpet, <laughs> pop them onto the sofa. It's also, the, like the scene with the, like when when um, <clears throat> Ben Gardner's 
head pops out of the, yeah. you know, literally like that. I don't remember that bit. Then yeah. the scene where Richard Dreyfus is trying to get the in tooth. In Jaws, as it is. Oh, right. And he, he sleeps down and just... The oh, right I see what you mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that bit. Um, so that's the third choice. Um, Holly Hunter in the piano, I saw recently about the, where she plays a deaf mute. And right, she the piano. Goes, is that the Nazi one? No, it's the one That's set the in New Zealand. Anna Paquin. I what, seen Anna this. Paquin was one of the youngest Oscar winners as best supporting actress. Right. So the piano. What's this? Um, it's basically um, Anna Paquin and Holly Hunter are mother and daughter, um, and they go to Ma- Sam Neill is the suitor who marries them, and. Harvey Keitel is a person thing and he says I would like to, for one lesson one key at a time I will buy one of your I'll have a key of the piano for that and then it develops into a hang on you lost me there what what key um, like the key of the piano right because he wants the piano yeah but he says I will buy it for one key at a time I'll have a lesson piano lesson for one key at oh a key time. yeah like oh, key right. <laughs> I was thinking what's he talking um, and it, it's like a symbol I mean the the piano is like a symbolism and you know, they they leave it on the beach and then it sort of becomes this motif throughout the whole mm. film. Right, I'm sorry to pull you off of it, but why is he buying one key at a time? It's because he, he can't afford it. He wants to... He wants to... He <laughs> wa- he's he's knock it on the head, mate. Knock it on the head. Okay, right. I so he's poor. I've seen it, but not for... And he can't afford it, so he's buying it one key at a time. Yeah, I guess so. I can't, I can't it's remember. like a loan kind of thing, like yeah, a yeah, gradual yeah. loan and stuff. I think that's I haven't really seen it for quite a long time, yeah. so I can't um, I Okay, can... so my fifth choice is Frances McDormand in Fargo, where she's a pregnant police officer. And this is classic Coen Brothers. And there's a dead body discovered in the snow in middle America. Right, yeah, I haven't seen this. um, Neither have I. I, It's my, it's my. Look at the production team. So (laughs) disgusted. This was uh, as a little inside baseball thing to do with the American Army, and they were trying to get some. They were faking making a movie there or something. No, that was Argo. What do you say? I say Fargo. You say Fargo. This isn't going to go say, well. You, you go. say Fargo, I say Pianist, Argo. Piano Fargo, Argo, Argo, Fargo. Oh, let's call it So what is one. Argo? Uh, Fargo is um, the oh, town. Well, Fargo is a town. Argo Fargo. is... Um, <laughs> you don't know about Argo. So the film's Fargo, we're talking yeah. <laughs> So Fargo is the t- name of the town. It's just been updated as a TV series with Ewan McGregor. Yeah. Right. Where's it, Fargo? Is this a real place? It's, it's kind of a fiction. It's like, if you know the whole... Narnia. Kind of, that's no, it's it's the whole. If you know, Coen, if you know Coen Brothers stuff, it's yeah, you know, oh, okay, it's, it's right. always in. But what country? Like, where is it based? America. Oh, okay, right, okay. In the snowstorm in Minnesota, I right. think it is, and um, people don't come out of it very well. But there's 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 like, um, and she's like the cop investigating. Which right. the twist is she's a pregnant police officer, and um, that twist. No, it's, it, well, it's just you don't diff- see that diff- normally. You don't see the pregnant police. So it's oh. it's the joy of it is is it's very grace humor, very dark humor, and you know there's a scene where um, one body's they try and a body is sort of fed into a um, a chipping chip yeah. a Tree chipper shred, yeah. chipper a chipper, chipper. Tr- yeah chipper machine. Um, and then my final choice is Marion Cotillard as Edith Piaf in La Vie en Rose. So what year is this? This is two. This is a modern version. Is this That's an old the most recent, isn't it? I'm most recent one, yeah. yeah. So what was the story of Le Vion Rose? I don't know. It's what the story is. of it. It's the biography of war? Edith Piaf. Okay. Is it in the war? World War Two? No. Oh, she. It's like French. She's um, okay. part of the. Um, I'm trying to remember when she was alive, Edith Piaf. Um, yeah, so that's one of her songs. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I'm trying to remember when she was alive because it's a it's a biography. So it would be. Um, 
if if she was I can't remember. Oh, it's her yet. biography. Yeah, yeah, it's biopic. And um, so the Vion Rose, that's like life through rose tinted glasses or something. Yeah, Lovely. some like life the, through rose. Life, life, rose of, life of a rose. La okay. via of through the rose. Seeing no, something like seeing through the rose, like life through rose tinted. I'm no, I am. I have got an old one in French. The, La vie en rose. It's like the the, the life on rose, life of a rose. I also thought it was seeing through rose tinted. No, no. Oh, our production team are coming in it's with an update. Off. He don't care, no. Yeah, he's, just he's, just like, he's not even grabbing the mic. So what are we saying? Life in pink. So Life in pink. Life in oh, okay. pink. We're both okay. So a bit of things still up there. That's annoying me. I guess. Can yeah. you take that down, Peter? Again, for everyone who can't see Theo, oh, right, basically yeah. there's a bit of like um, plastic bump. on top of we a painting. We don't know what it is, yeah. Can you just wave that in the camera just so pointless that is? That's sat on top of a... We don't know what it is. It's it's got a big sign saying "Please don't remove from the painting." Um, <laughs> well, sorry, just let's just get this back onto the road again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I suppose it's like it, uh, in the pink. You yeah, know, life in the. But, you know. but anyway, she yeah, it was so she was so convincing because she lip synced to all oh, the right. Peter oh. things, and she, you know, when you when you compare it to how she was, she she had like the big eyebrows and stuff, mm. and it was her whole life and. Um, it was interesting. It was quite good. I mean, she was very good in it anyway. Yeah, um, it was sort of... To me, it was one of those films, actually kind of not unlike Bohemian Rhapsody, um, although I think obviously that's got the advantage of Queen's music. And if you're a fan of that... Here we go again. Um, the the film itself is kind of relatively straightforward. Like, mm-hmm. I think Queen... You know, the uh, Bohemian Rhapsody and Levian Rose, they're almost like the... It's the very straightforward, you know, biographical film or and particularly music, mm-hmm. but elevated by the central performance yeah. I mean although I have to say Bohemian Rhapsody I think all of the cast are brilliant in that mm. I think everyone what was the general life of uh, uh, Edith Piaf was it a, what any scandal like what was her story she was she was just um, I think she was one of these incredible talents like Amy Winehouse burnt mm. out very big and yeah. she was she had a I think she had a she went towards the end of it I think she was affected by drinking i'll have to look oh, into that yeah. but it was a good performance yeah. it was just it was i mean it was like all the performances here i think they they were i think they're the true essence of their contrasts to who the the actors are because because marianne yeah. cotillard it, you know <clears throat> she's i think she's a really terrific when i see her in everything she does oh, be okay. it the dark knight or mm. she was in that um thing with daniel day lewis called nine um she was in um was it allied Yes, with uh, Brad Pitt. There was something else I saw in where I thought she was great in, but I can't. That's not the best story ever. So is that all the chicks? Those are all the chicks, okay. okay. So the guys. um, So here we go. So the guys. balance it out. So um, Gene Hackman in The French Connection. Hang on. So, okay, yeah. Well, I haven't seen that. Okay, Marlon Brando in The Godfather. Mm Mm-hmm. Hang on, don't, don't read them all out. Just go through. So the first one. Okay, so the first one, Gene Hackman as Popeye Dor in The French Connection. Right, is that his real name? That's the, this is the Curry Place, but he, he was based on a real-life detective called Eddie Egan right. and Sonny Grosso. Now, they were actually in the film as... Um, oh, so a little cameo. So, so um, like, in the film, Eddie Egan plays Popeye Dor's superior, and he says at one point, do you ever pick your feet in Poughkeepsie? That's a famous line that he played. There's a line. Um, so the film is based on a, a book by Robin Moore. It was directed by William Friedkin. Um, oh, of The Exorcist. Yeah, he, oh, this right. was the film he did beforehand. Oh, nice. um, and it was produced by Philip D'Antoni, who produced Bullet. And the chase in <clears throat> The French Connection eclipses Bullet oh, because right. it's, it's actually at a high speed. And the fact that they actually had 
the car literally is hitting things. That it's it's so spontaneous. They could never have got away with it now, but yeah. because it's so intense. So what it is is um, there's a very renowned drug person called Alan Charnier who basically wants to smuggle millions of heroin into millions of pounds, dollars worth of heroin into America, which he does via a car. And he, um, he recruits a renowned TV star and he has a psychic called Pierre Nicoli who um, basically shoots this, um, this police officer at the very beginning, shoots him in the head. And so... It's a thriller. It, this is a thriller. A okay, so... What's the French... What's the French connection... This is the whole story. Like okay. The French connection is the, the in Marseille, like the, um, the drugs the drug are being smuggled okay. into there. Mm-hmm. And then in New York, for example, they they sort of... Basically, him and his partner, um, Cloudy, his, his partner's called Cloudy, played by Roy Scheider. They are in a bar having a drink... And they notice that there's some rather people who don't really look like they belong there. And they've got an incredible tab. So they decide on a whim to pursue them. And they end up going to Queens. New York. Where they, Queens, New York. And they discover that they actually own this, this cafe. And they're saying, hang on a minute. These guys are spending that amount of money in this very exclusive club. And yet they're, they're running incredible tabs. But they've got a they've got a salary below their means. Right, yeah. mm-hmm. So they did some tales and all of a sudden they, they start piecing together this incredible thing, which is actually based okay, on a real life case. Of, okay. And Eddie Egan and Sonny Grosso who, who solved the case. And there's, there's a wonderful scene where they turn up at this bar and like the, and they're going, you know, Popeye's here and like the whole bar has got God knows how many drugs and he and the, and the key thing is he grabs all the he, he gets a beer and puts the drugs and he goes anybody want a milkshake <laughs> puts it down and then there's a um, there's a stu- there's um, like a, a, um, a contact one of the guys and he goes he says right he goes so they go into um, the toilet and he goes well everybody's holding out for something he goes it's all milk and then he goes, where do you want it? And of course, to, to pretend that they're, he's just got this, and he sort of whacks him in the face. He goes, I'm going to look up this address in, in, in your ass. So, so basically, um, Charnier, the, the hen, head of the French guy, turns up in, in New York. And then, of course, Doyle traces him. And then Nickley sort of um, tries to kill um, tries to kill Popeye Doyle, and that results in the actual... Um, the chase, the famous chase, where Doyle's in a car on the train. There's a there's a there's an elevated metro train yeah, going yeah. along, and it just literally, it's incredible incredible suspense. And then you know, and then of course they there's a wonderful scene where they take this car apart and they go for everything, and the drugs are in there oh, and stuff. Right, yeah. um, and it, it's and it was there was a sequel in 1975 called The French Connection Two, which actually puts Doyle in Marseille, and Charnier hooks him on drugs. Is Gene Hackman in that? Gene Hackman's in oh, the same yeah. one again. 
Take, it's a bit. It's kind of a more drawn out one because you sort of see this. You know, if you if you if you don't really like the idea of drug addiction, this really plays it out. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Um, Did Gene Hackman? Is he someone who's won more than one Oscar? As he's actor? won. Yeah, he won for The French Connection. He also won Best Supporting Actor for Unforgiven in nineteen. Oh yes, that's right. Yeah, the cowboy um, film. Yeah, the yeah. cowboy film, which Eastwood won. Um, my second choice. Well. Marlon Brando in The Godfather, Vito Corleone, um, incredible transformation. Here's the legend of him transforming on screen and Coppola showing the head now, of... Now, what was the thing? They didn't, he wasn't, they didn't want him for that, did they? He, was, he wasn't... It, there's a lot of... Um, there were a lot of things against The Godfather being made at the time. One of them was, was Francis Coppola was basically threatened with the sack, every, being fi- threatened with fired, everything. They didn't want Al Pacino... His casting choices were not... Say he was too small. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Marlon Brando was basically poison in Hollywood. He said, look, we'll do this. These are all legends. He goes, we'll do it, provided he does it for no- nothing. And also if he screen tests. So Marlon Brando, they got a, they got a camera and he's pulling cotton he's putting tissue, tissue paper in his, in his mouth, mouth yeah. and he's watching and goes, oh, I'm doing like a bulldog and stuff. Yeah. And then he went to the... Coppola took the tape to Charles Bloodhorn at Paramount and said, he goes, that's an amazing thing. Who the hell is that? And that's what he got right, the part. Yeah. And, then, and then again, it was like, it was a very low budget movie and um, Coppola had just won an Oscar for writing Patton, which was the George C. Scott film, which based on Patton. And it, the general pattern. Yeah, yeah okay. general pattern. But it was a movie that I think, like, it's just grown in stature. Um I'll be talking more about that and the other one later. What, what did he accept that award? Was that the he one didn't? That, he was that was the red in. No, d- there was a well. There was a Roger Moore and Liv Allman presented it to this. Um, tried to present it to this lady called Sashin Littlefeather, um, who was. She said, "I'm Apache, and I want to say that Marlon Brando refuses to do this because of the for this for for the, for Godfather. the Godfather. Okay. okay, but it transpired that she was an actress. Yeah. yeah. How offensive is that? That's yeah. really rude, isn't it? Yeah, but um, when did she, they find out she was an actress? Like at the shortly time, shortly after, shortly afterwards. And I what think. was the kickback from there? Was there any like big deal or not really? It was just no, like, oh. no. I mean, it was. It's the one time. I mean, George C. Scott refused his Oscar for Patton the previous year because oh. um, he compared allegedly quotes. He compared the Oscars to a meat parade because he was watching at home when he did it. Because they, were they both in? Uh, were they both? Were George C. Scott and? Brando both in On the Waterfront or am I No, no, they were in a film in the 80s called The Formula. Okay. Um, On the Waterfront was um, 1950s and Marlon Brando was the big star and he actually won, um, I think he did win his first Oscar for that. Or was it Streetcar? He he won another one previously where I think he did have So two years in a row people have turned down the Oscar. Yeah, but oh, it's damn. very rarely. It's it's never happened since. I think everybody's yeah. forever grateful. Ah, everyone now. They've got no yeah. backbone. Nobody do nothing. Okay, so my third choice is... Ben Kingsley and Gandhi. Okay, right. Yeah. So uh, this is the <coughs> Richard Attenborough biopic of Mahatma Gandhi, which um, took 20 years to make, won eight Academy Awards. Ooh, hang on, 20 years to make. What happened there then? Well, it Problems start- or just... No, no, it, it, would, it started in 1962 when Richard Attenborough um, bought a, a bust of Nehru. And then the following day, a... Um, disciple of gandhi who wanted to pres- who had fled <laughs> india in 1948 after the assass- after the the uprising he approached richard attenborough to do whether he would like to do 
would well, I want to make a movie. So it was a case oh, okay. of, and it, it there's a great book, which is like In Search of Gandhi, which Richard Attenborough wrote, which tells the whole story. And he um, put the money together. He, he It brought him close to bankruptcy. Um, a lot of people were not convinced it would make a good subject because one executive said, and I quote, who wants to see a film about a man in a, in a beanpole? Mm. Um, but it, it's a, it was um, but in 1982 it beat ET. ET was the oh, was the front runner. Um, but Gandhi sort of was the movie that everybody wants to see. It's a bit like Lawrence of Arabia. It starts like with Lawrence of Arabia. It starts with Gandhi's death and then flashes back to from his boiler alert. <laughs> well, it's not really. It's not really a fun. Um, so that's my third choice. Hold on. Uh, any questions? So he, best actor, Ben Kingsley. So what year is this? 1983. And it beat E.T.? Yep. I thought E.T. got the Oscar. No, E.T. got the Below the Line Oscars. It got best editing, best visual effects, oh, right, best okay. music. Job. Oh, yeah, actor. Yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah, okay. Okay, so my next choice... E.T. wasn't even... Is, yeah, I was thinking um, this. Poor love. <laughs> so uh, Michael Douglas in Wall Street. Hold on. I've got to stop you. Well, I'm sorry to keep doing this. <laughs> All right. Has anybody other like quirky awards been given to anything that isn't a person? Like no, no, no. Like a Muppet or an ET or <laughs> no. I mean, I think there weird. was there was a push. I, if you'll you'll probably know this yeah. more. That I think there was a push from the studio and from George Lucas in particular for, for Frank Oz to be nominated for his portrayal of Yoda because mm. the voice right. and the puppetry. Okay, but there's always but been. I, people. I, I could but be, all, no, I think Andy Zirkis <clears> was the thing with Gollum because they because <clears> they felt that performance capture like the, like they in hollywood they there's there's been a a lot of people have been lobbying for the stuntmen for example so yeah, the stuntmen yeah. because they feel that is it no award for stuntmen uh, i think they have i think they do have in the screen actors well. screen actors the guild there are there's like special awards but it's like because we know now that people like vic armstrong and yakima knurts and these these classic these classic name stuntman yeah um it's because they do incredibly dangerous things to make the actors look good right although now because of cgi people have said it's not worth it because there are there's there's tragedies in 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 hollywood so say for example right yeah um there's the twilight zone tragedy twilight zone is that the helicopter isn't it the, yeah oh the kid okay so um big yeah. John Landis was doing a um, the, the second episode, the very first segment of the Twilight Zone movie. They were shooting at a uh, place in California called Indian Dunes, and John Landis had sort of bypassed the child labour laws because he wanted to use two kids, and Vic Morrow was there as well. Seemed to be fine. They were doing this. The film was completed. If you see the movie, you wouldn't know about this. But what it was, was from what I saw, and you can actually see the footage online. They've actually got, if you type, oh it, if you type in the Twilight Zone tragedy, there's, there, there are, you know, there's, there's scenes on there, but you can actually see what happens. Oh, Jesus. God. Um, but what it is, is they, from what I gathered, they, there were explosions on there. It detonated too soon. The, helicopter got caught in a in a spin yeah. tailspin and the thing just literally f- comes down and literally God. Vic Morrow was decapitated oh Christ after that Steven Spielberg said he was nowhere near at the time I mean him and L- Landis literally didn't speak to each other um 
Landis and a couple of other people were charged with manslaughter. And then, you know... So who died? There was a kid. There were two two Vietnamese-American kids who died who were not meant... They should have been looked after because the child... And it re... It re sort of... um, It could re... They had to rethink health and safety and child labor laws... Um, so the other anybody yeah. get in trouble for that? Then, excuse me. They did. They. I mean, the although John Landis said in one point that I think the pilot was never charged, but the pilot. Yeah. Well, yeah. Why would he be charged if there's an explosion on the plane? No, but he, but to... if you think about it in terms of the you know the accountability, but it's an it's an interesting. The whole history is like well, presumably the pilot died. Oh right, yeah, of course. I don't know. I'm not sure if he did. I think the, oh, wow. the plane crashed. I think the thing, if you could probably look up the yeah, whole yeah, story. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the other one, of course, was Brandon Lee, yeah. who was shot on the set of the Crow because they. Oh right, um, yeah. What it was was they they were meant to use blanks, and in the one of the bullets actually had some still some live ammo in there, and they actually shot it. They, they, you know, he's meant to do, you know, the usual thing, just shoot and he goes down, but he didn't get up. And it's, again, that, that was another one which literally was another of those tragedies. Somebody told me that, I can't remember who it was now, that from then onwards, when health and safety thing got involved, in, on the film set, you can never now point at the person. From then on, you always had to do that. Yeah, I but think that makes sense. Weren't yeah, allowed to ever do just in case something yeah. projectiles. Because that was there's a, that was a whole catalogue of errors. Because it was like the the I, I can't think of the word now. But the map, whoever's responsible for weapons yeah. on a set had gone home and they just didn't call him. They didn't. Well, they didn't. What the, what it was was they they'd actually not checked that the the bullets were blanks. They hmm. just I think right. they cut corners. And again, this was one of those. Oh, I thought it was that they were blanks, but the problem was they'd fired a blank and then hadn't well, emptied of, the barrel. Yeah, they so hadn't emptied it, it properly. There was like there was still a bit of live gunpowder in Fucking there. No, just needless. Okay, but as we know, that was a Bruce Lee curse anyway, so it's yeah. going to happen. Oh, no, it's a Bruce. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so that's that. Anyway, getting back to the list. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. We um, my next choice is Michael Douglas in Wall Street. Yes, that was it. Yeah. Okay. So greedy's good. Gordon Gecko. So what year we know? Nineteen eighty-seven. Okay. Nineteen eighty-seven. Yeah. Um, famous line Greedy's good probably as contrasting role to his other things like Fatal Attraction Romance in the Stone was that before then? Yeah, well it was around the same time oh, yeah. Fatal Attraction came out the same year oh right um, but again it, it's it's one of those um, really s- delicious roles I mean the classic lines like if you need a friend get a dog <laughs> um, greed is good greed works um, based on a written from a script by um, Oliver Stone whose father was in oh, in, Oliver Stone, in, in the in the banking thing Charlie Sheen was in there as um, oh, yeah, Bud Fox um, who wants to get in be a player and turns up and he, he he's working for this company and of course um, his father who works at this airline called Blue Star and all, all of a sudden he, tr- he uses um, inside information to sort of get ahead. Okay. But then he doesn't realize how far he's got into it. And then it's become, you know, like the pursuit of, you know, the American dream and greed and that kind of thing. Uh, very good performance. Um, that's that one. And then Dustin Hoffman in Rayman, who I just thought was so convincing as the autistic. You, I could, you barely recognize him. I mean, his mannerisms, it was mm. the most 
amazing transformation because he really got into it in a bit. Qantas never crashed. Yeah. Uh oh. But it's the it's the yeah for that it's it's sort of the there's no um, I mean not that he necessarily requires makeup but there's no that's an interesting performance that something in the physicality of yeah. it of just. But it, it was just weird because it was like it's it's sort of it's a sign of a, if an actor can kind of transform or take those elements and work mm. on those nuances in a way to create to nail that part. I mean, autism is something I'm not familiar with, but it, this was the this is what people look at when they think yeah. of autistic people. Although it's a much, I think it's a much more complicated um, uh, thing because I actually met somebody the other night who was they do autism friendly screenings, mm-hmm. and what they told me was that they have to modify the sound. So a film like Avengers they can't you you can't take autistic kids there you have to modify it because they need room to maneuver they have to find places to lie down and stuff like that because the the images and the sound and the imagery can sort of affect them deeply yeah, yeah. and it's don't take of, them to the Avengers no but it's, it's, it's no the point it, these are autism friendly things so that that can be done so, it's so not they, like these, they, they read if they sort of redefine what the you know so they 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 look for things that are a bit quieter and stuff to make them to make them so that the parents it's quite common for um, animated films as well isn't it i yeah. think for um for uh, those to be made i don't obviously i've not been to one so i don't know um because it's a bit like where you have mother at that was very sexist of me. Parent and baby. Oh, yeah. Uh, parent and child. Parent and child. Parent and child. Yeah. <laughs> they have those sorts of screenings. Autism friendly screening. Yeah. So again, I don't, because obviously I can't go to a, a parent and baby screening, but I, because otherwise it's, you get a cheap, because they often do reduced rate yeah. tickets, don't they as well? Yeah. Um, so, but the idea is that with the parent and baby ones, I do know from other people telling me that basically it's just so that obviously because babies are crying. Yeah. So yeah, um, I mean, they shouldn't be in the cinema, but yeah. Well, that's why they have the parent and baby screening so they can go but to the cinema. What you're screaming, the baby doesn't know what's well, so going on. I think on. it's often so the parent can have, you know, something get out of the house and see a yeah. film and otherwise you don't see a film for four years. Yeah, but then film. just call it parenting don't have the, don't throw the babies an excuse it's so you can go and see if it's yeah. gonna babysitter why are we creating all these fucking offshoots of going to the cinema <laughs> things that like it just get your go basic. yeah but that's the point it's you i'd expect you to be cross if it was like a baby taken to a normal screening but this is a parent and baby like it's designed specifically for that so yeah, same go, the get a babysitter i don't know why are we never mind never mind so so yeah so um, that's my fifth choice. Now, my final choice is Jamie Foxx in Ray as Ray Charles. Okay. Well, yeah, um, I haven't seen this. So. Um, it's basically the history the of Ray pick. Charles, and he, yeah. it's like, um, and Tyler Hapford directed it, but it's a really great, again, his, he nails the mannerisms, and he, mm. you know, and it, like Jamie Foxx is an accomplished piano player. Oh, he is already? Yeah. Oh, okay. And he, he can play really well, but he, I mean, he does look a lot like... Yeah, he did, that was the thing, I could... Um, I did think that that was very, once he put the, it was the glasses more than yeah. anything else, but he did, does have a sort of similar um, shape, sort of face. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so when he puts that, you kind of, a bit like Rami, Rami is Malik. Rami, isn't it? Yeah, Rami Malik, Malik yeah. Um, that he does look, you know, with the ta- without the tash, not at all. Yeah. But then you pop that moustache on and suddenly like, place, and, yeah. But, he, but he's, he's and I the mean, teeth, Rami Malik is, I, I think he, he does achieve the impossible because it's, di- it's difficult with somebody so legendary and mm. so unique like Freddie Mercury. It's like with Will Smith and Ali. When yeah. you were, again, because, you know, the image of Ali is so ingrained on you. I mean, I mean, Will Smith does well, but it, again, it's like you, you get a sense, because Will Smith is actually facially not yeah. like, but he does capture it. So I think if, if you watch it, I watched it a second time, <clears> and I think, well, actually, 
that's all right. He's kind of done what he's supposed to, and it's it's good. So it's again, but with Jamie Fox, it's like, well, you are. It also helps also if you if you like the music and you're buying into the music in a big way. That's the great thing. It's the it's the idea of um, you know the Queen music, for example, is what you're celebrating. You know, the Sasha Baron Cohen one, I think, would have been incredibly hedonistic. And it would also have been, I'd, I'd have just been watching it the whole time going, why is Ali, you know, expecting it yeah. to suddenly break character as Bohemian yeah. Rhapsody and be, you know. But, I, but, but that, I, that but why I, he didn't go along, he wanted it to be more hedonistic. No, they, they would, well, because wanted that side they, they wanted, I mean, they do touch on it in Bohemian yeah. Rhapsody. There are moments in it, but ultimately, what do you want if you're, if you're trying to do something that's going to cater for the masses and you want to do something? Because ultimately, we all, I mean, I, I love Queen. I mean, the, mm. one of the first albums I ever, I sort of, we, I remember we bought in the house was Queen's Greatest Hits, which is one of the longest running thing. And you, but those records, they have a life of their own. I mean, I never saw We Will Rock You, and I, I just don't feel you needed a, a theatre production. I mean, it made a lot of money, and if you're a big fan of Queen and stuff, but the songs, st- like with ABBA songs, the songs stand on their own. Mm. You know, they've got an individual quality. Um, even today, nobody can... I mean, even I, I can't figure out what Bohemian Rhapsody is about. It's just... <laughs> it's, 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 an, it's like Stairway to Heaven. Yeah. It's one of those songs that... I was six years old when that record hit number one. And I remember watching the video on top of the pops on a Thursday night, just before I was sent to bed. You know, and I remember, because I remember, and I'd never seen anything like it. It was just an incredible, when I first heard that record, you're, it, it stuck in my, and I remember, um, you know, the video, I remember just him, the lights and the, that whole video, which again was made, for a pittance it's such a simple video yeah. isn't it but it's iconic it's just you know yeah. them yeah. stood in that kind of diamond sort but of it's like, and... but but the the record just <clears throat> sort of hits it in it way mm. um anyway so that's my choices of the actors sorry can we have a, a very quick recap of all the names please okay so in the actress i picked jane fonda in clute louise fletcher in one flew of the cuckoo's nest kathy bates in misery holly hunter did piano francis mcdormand in fargo Mm-hmm. Marion Cotillard in La Vie en Rose in the acting it was Gene Hackman in The French Connection oh what do you mean in the acting As actor, actor, actor. actor. Oh, in okay. the actor oh right I had somebody yeah. yesterday you'll get back to that are they actresses and actors or is everyone an actor now uh, it varies I'll t- we'll talk about it well actor I think they tend to say now actor yeah non-gender perspective but yeah. I think they say now, anyway. actors per se yeah. um, equality and all that sorry um, okay so in the acting actor Gene Hatman in The French Connection, Marlon Brando in The Godfather, yeah. Ben Kingsley in Gandhi, Michael Douglas in Wall Street, Dustin Hoffman in Rain Man, and Jamie Foxx in Ray. So have we got, th- is that three out of the, well, out of all uh, 12 of those, is that three real people as it were? Because we've got Ray, Gandhi, oh, biopics. and um, uh, um, Edith Piaf, have we? Is that right? Yeah, Ray, Gandhi, and Edith Piaf. And, and, then, t- and in a way, you could say French Connection is a real uh, person with so Eddie, sort of Eddie Egg. Uh, son, um, Papa Doyle is based on Eddie Egg. And so, so if you could redo history and only one of them get the Oscar for that role, who are you going for? Who did it the best? Um, I, would I don't like... I, I want to go for the Godfather Marlon Brando, but moral, I think I've got to go for the... Um, the Rain Man. I think that was the best. That really was. I think I, I would. I'd be inclined to agree because I think it was such a contrast. Because Dustin Hoffman as an actor, I think that works. Um, but I, I also think all of them are. I, I, yeah, I, of course. On a, yeah. um, I think in the Best Actress, I will probably go for. 
Kathy. Kathy Bates yeah. in Misery. Who do you go for the male and female? Um, I think I would. Kind of favourite film. It's yeah. The, male, male actor would probably be um, Marlon Brando. Oh, you go for him. Okay. Yeah. And then female actor, I would probably go with. Sorry, it's Jane. Jane Fonda, Louis Fletcher. You're Kathy. going Kathy again. I'm. It's it's between right. Kathy and um, Kathy Bates, as if we're on yeah. first name terms, uh, or um, Louis Fletcher. I do, I'm torn yeah. between yeah. those. I mean, they're both sort of villains. Okay, I haven't seen the other. Um, but I think I think Kathy Bates is such a glorified and celebratory, and I liked it because she again she was transformed. I think yeah. Louise Fletcher, granted she. But there wasn't as much transformation. I think Kathy Bates, because when you compare her to mm. how she is in real life, I mean, she's incredibly, you know, she's got a lovely smile. And when you watch her win the Oscar, he's like, yeah, but it's like, but again, <laughs> that's acting. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. What did okay. she go on to do? Like, I don't really She did, um, well, she's been in a whole, well, she played the unsinkable Molly Brown in Titanic. She's the, the American lady, you know, the one that wants to go back. Right, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, on the lifeboat. Um, there was, she's been in what, Primary What was the colours? gap between those two films, though? Are they around the same time? Yeah, no, a whole no. load of stuff she did. So like since then? Yeah, she was also in a, um, I think she was in a movie with James Spader and Susan Sarandon called White Palace, which was about an, an older, young, older woman, younger thing, which um, <laughs> sort of came and went, but it was a really nice movie. She hasn't done anything in the last 10 years. No, there was well, a she does a lot of TV. There was a bout Oscar winner. About Schmidt, she did. Oh, yeah. that rings a bell. And that, I think she was nominated for an Oscar for that. If I'm yeah, she does. She does a lot of. Um, <coughs> you know, she's she's always like the reliable supporting yeah, actor. But so. but again, that's not to be grudgy. It's just that genuine talent, and she does. Yeah. And she actually is one of the best things about Titanic. You know, like the um, you know that there's that brilliant scene, the part you know the dinner where she goes, um, she goes, um, goes. She's 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 quite a she's quite a. a and he goes, I hope you can tame it. He goes, well, I have to remember, I have to sort of monitor what she reads from now on. And then Jonathan, um, Jonathan, uh, the the guy who plays um, Ishmael says, um, he goes, who is this Freud? Is he a passenger? And apparently that was an ad lib. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, so on to the best film. Um, and I think we'll take our time on these ones, but... Um, Hold on. How long are we going for, Pete? It's uh, 50 minutes. 5 okay. Okay, we're all right. We're okay. Right. So... I'm go- I'm going to kick off with um, Godfather Part One and Two as a two for yeah as a two because I I think you can't have one without the other and they did win the Best Picture yeah. so they won 1971 uh, 72 and 1975 same is this the same director same director um, it's it's actually um, I mean Godfather Part Two is probably my favourite because of the yeah. the dual story of telling the young Vito Corleone and you know, with, coupled with Michael's development as it, and it's a much more epic tale. Um, I always say to people, that, and it was told of me, if you're not used to sort of long, that sort of film, watch the second one first, and then watch the first one, because the first one, people, some people can't make it through it. It's better, the, the second one's a bit more appealing you, you to have a certain to, you, age. But you have to, the thing is, you have to watch The Godfather to understand some of the backstory yeah. of The Godfather Part 2. Because of the no, no, but the thing is, they but the thing is, is like when it opens, we said the Godfather was born Vito Andolini. It's also because the, the the whole the original Mario Puzo novel actually has a chapter based on that, and it it, it what they've done is they've expanded that in a big way, um, and it was I I loved it for the that they. I just loved it for the epic gangster quality and it's got yeah. great music and great performances. 
Um, Diane Keaton's very good in it. And, you know, James Kahn and um, Robert Duvall and John Cazale, um, who was in both. He only did like five movies, John Cazale, mm-hmm. before he, he sadly died of cancer because he was Meryl Streep's um, partner for a while. Yeah. And he did like Dog Day Afternoon. That's a great film. There's a documentary about him on YouTube. I don't yeah. know what the name is. And it's fucking great. Like anyone that works with him saying like he made the film. Any time he's working yeah, around he's him, one of those guys. He's just in the background, mm-hmm. but he made it. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's absolutely really superb. Yeah. I mean, it's... Um, I well, Sorry, what was the, the, the years between the first and second Godfather? Um, it was th- three years. In the 70s? 1972, it was 1971 and 1974. I'll tell you what, the 70s just knocked it out of the park, didn't they? They had Edward the Exorcist, yeah. Jaws, this. Rocky, was that? Okay? Rocky, yeah. Um, but funnily enough, cool. the, fav- the favourite line, Bob Hope, when he, when, he, um, when he was hosting the Oscars, when Godfather Part 2, he said this, he says, I think Godfather Part 2 has got a great chance of winning. Neither Mr. Price nor Mr. Warhatter House has been seen in four days. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's, yeah. Um, that's my first choice. The second choice, well, I've got to include Rocky. Yeah. yeah, which um, love story, which was the, the story, which was the surprise winner at the 1977 Oscars because the favourite at that time was all the president's men. Did, did Stallone win for best actor? He didn't. No, oh, he was nominated. Man. I think who um, won for that year? Uh, I think it was. I he won. Um, oh, it's best film. He got the award for right. Okay. No, it was. I think Peter Finch won. For, oh, for network, Pos- po- oh, Peter. Yeah. Well, Peter Finch had died um, before it, but he got a posthumous Oscar as as um, Harold um, as Howard um, Beale. He was like the one who said, "Oh, I want you to get mad." Because I want you to all lean over and say, yeah. "I can't take it." Anymore. Yeah, watch it today. Still, you, same thing. Um, so, why can I see Stallone accepting an award? What did he win he it probably for? Probably won for best screenplay. Did he? he not? Well, he went on. St- he wrote he, it. He, where, when the film. When the when they won the Oscar, Robert Chartoff and Erwin Winkler came on stage and brought Stallone on. Oh right! And it's of course the famous thing where he went on stage beforehand, and, Marla, and Muhammad Ali came. He goes, he goes, I'm the real Apollo Creed. You stole my script. He goes, you know who I am? Get Salami. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's a great clip like that. Um, Hang on, so Stallone hasn't got an Oscar for something. Screenplay writer. He, he he got the Golden Globe for. Oh, is that Creed. the Oscars? No, no. He never. Oh, he never right, got the. He never got the. He never won an Academy Award, but he did win the Golden Globe for Creed as right. Balboa. That was the only time. Oh, right. But he was the favourite. He actually was at one point the favourite to win the Oscar that year right, for okay. Creed. Okay, so yeah. Um, my next choice. Well, the Deer Hunter. Okay. The, the the epic the epic sport. what is it three and a half three, it's three hours long it's the yeah listen I don't know nothing about films cut the wedding scene out that was not needed I'm thinking about the right film yeah yeah, yeah. but no but the, the, the half thing, hour wedding the thing, scene but the thing about that wedding scene is it actually somebody I I got into a discussion about this with somebody. I mean I know what your defense is I mean it's just part of the it's just it's just an essential yeah but fifth ten minutes you get the idea no but but the thing is it when you the way it's played out, because a lot of, the more you watch it, it's actually a whole thing about them. It sets them up for the deer hunt, the hunt in the morning. Yeah. Uh, I do like, I wonder, the, at a the good time, film, those years, people were a bit more. I'm not sure I'd watch it again. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't. Because I, I, I already watched it about five years ago. No, but just because it's so, it's yeah, you've so got it. sort of unpleasant. Nowadays, I mean, in, in, that's what it's meant to be. But it, but it has, but the thing is, the motif of one shot, it's about, it's about three guys who have a perception of what hunting is and the whole thing of them going for the hunt. And then De Niro's character transformed. And then you have the John Cazale character, Stan, who 
you know, he's waving the gun. And of course, it's the, you know, De Niro's been coloured because of the Russian roulette scene. And he goes, you want to play games? He goes, I'm going to shot. And he points the guy there. And it, it, it's, it's a movie about transformation. It's about the fact that they were very naive thinking that Vietnam was going to be this big thing. And then, of course, the, the officer who turns up at the party and goes, fuck him, fuck him. But there's so much, there is, the more, I've watched that scene again, and again, I agree with you. The first time I saw it, I thought, well, what, what does it mean? But when you watch it again, you're thinking, well, actually, there's so much more subtlety right, in there. Right, okay, yeah, yeah. It's a very, it's a, it's a difficult one to call, but also I think the, the, the whole kind of thing about the before and after, you know, that, that, there's so much stuff going on because it's not just about the three guys like John, like um, it's it's not about um, Robert De Niro and Christopher Walken and John Savage going off to Vietnam. It's setting them up and telling us about who yeah. they, where they're from. It's funny when you said that about when you watch it the second time somebody kept saying to me you've certain films you have to watch twice you're not mm. seeing the film the first time and i'm wondering there was so much going on in the deal that, that, that i just didn't pick bit, up on it well there's two things that happen one of them is is if when somebody says to you well you say oh we're gonna watch deer hunt tonight how long is it it's three hours shit <laughs> you kind of you kind of have to say well because again you have to you know a lot of films today are like maybe half an hour too long i mean avatar is one of those movies that should technically be a two-hour movie yeah. be a lot better um but there's there's so much more because of the way it's played out because of how these characters are separated because you have all these arcs going on you have christopher walken and john savage separated you have robert de niro coming back to america yeah. and his relationship because he has a thing for Meryl Streep's character, who's the fiance of um, of Nick, you know. This, and then, of course, you have the scene where, you know, Christopher Walken's brainwashing stuff, and the whole thing where he goes back where Vietnam is. There, this it's just there's so much. It, I, I mean, I'm not for, forcing anybody to watch it, but this is what I, I I've seen it several times now, and I can understand what the process and the whole structure of the film right, it, yeah. it's it gets a lot better because um maybe because i've matured more I, I saw it on vhs the first time around and i was i i was 13 and because because it was an x film at this it was over 18s on and when my parents got the vhs i actually sat down and watched it and i didn't really understand certain things but yeah no i think you're right i think it's not a throwaway scene i think there's a lot more going on but you need to appreciate the whole story yeah. to see it Okay, yeah, and sorry. it's it's just the beauty of this town. I mean, some of the, the images sorry. are really good Pete, anyway. Do you mind filling these up with water? Okay. Um, so I've already covered um, this one previously, but it's my next choice is The French Connection. Fair enough. Which, is, um, which I describe as one of my nightcap films because it's one of those whenever it's on TV late at night, I will watch it and, you know, like it's... it's because <laughs> you put it on to go to sleep. No, I, no, I, <laughs> I, put, it, no, I put it on TV. Um but there's um, there's an absolutely fantastic audio commentary by William Freakin on the Blu-ray. It's oh. just brilliant. You know, he talks about the whole history of it, and I think Roy Scheider and Gene Hackman also have a commentary on the DVD as well. So Freakin got the the French Connection, then yeah. he did The Exorcist. Yeah, but he that. yeah, but he didn't get he he didn't get the um, Oscar for The Exorcist. He was nominated, but French Connection was um, actually beat out um, Clockwork Orange. Oh, was that sort of time? Kubrick was nominated mm. for um, it was that was one of the so that was the seventies as well. Yeah, nineteen seventy one. So it was that the was same the year. year. Okay, or the decade. 
Yeah. Um, no, but again, it, it's... What did Freaking do after The Exorcist? What was his next thing? Well, he did a movie called Sorcerer, which was based on The Wages of Fear, which mm. was... The Is that the one where they're, they're travelling through the jungle? The jungle with a... I with keep a, hearing it. People say that's one of the best films ever made. Oh, it's, it's a fantastic movie because they've got this volatile explosion and they're going on... And I saw it recently. It's an amazing movie because it's... You know, seeing Roy Scheider drive this truck and they're driving... Fr- and there's, the a, there's a real tense scene where they're on a bridge. The, bridge yeah. um, the significance of Sorcerer was that it was actually the film that was meant to open when Star Wars... When it was actually meant to be in the Grauman's Chinese on May the 25th. They didn't have it ready at that time. Star Wars took the place and the rest is history. Oh, okay. Sorcerer bowed on June the 22nd, June the 24th... Um, and then was in there for about a week. Cheers, Peter. And then um, say hello to the camera. Nobody, and then nobody saw it. And then they put Star Wars back, and that was it. So, oh, damn. Um, no, it's a fantastic movie. The, the so he also did. Um, he also did a great cop thriller called To Live and Die in L.A., uh, which Who was, was in that. It was William Peterson and Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe, who plays the um, Willem Dafoe, who plays the. Was this e- your one? That's, no, that was mine. Tell That's yours. Um, Willem Dafoe plays uh, Rick Masters, who's a counterfeiter. Cheers, Peter. Uh, Thank you. So we're just getting a top up for one. And it has, um, and it has a great um, road chase sequence, which again rivals the French, like a like a jackknife car and stuff. Mm. And it's got a great um, score by Wang Chung. Who, who's Wang Chung? Wang Chung is one of the most underrated um, British bands of the 80s. Okay. Um, are you sniggering? Sorry. Jack you Hughes, get on with the podcast. Don't interrupt him. Now, Jack Hughes and Nick Feldman. Um, <laughs> and they, did, they had a song in the 80s called Dance All Days. Yeah. Um, but they did a great... The, the soundtrack's brilliant. It's got a sound, song called uh, To Live and Die Now, the theme tune, which is on there. Um, and I actually saw them at the Bush Hall in... 2013 they're a great live band but they didn't have any hits in England they were actually oh, okay. bigger in the States um, I suppose it's better to, to be that way round isn't it yeah. you probably get more money but, it, but it's a good um, but again it's a great um, great score um, my next choice is American Beauty ah. is this the president one we've mentioned this before the famous love no 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 this is uh, the dark mention? side of suburbia Kevin Spacey Annette Benning, Thora Birch Wes Bentley and Mina Savari what's it called American Beauty. Okay. What was uh, the one we brought up in the romance? That, that was American, American President. This oh, has got okay, nothing right. to do with it. Yeah, this okay. is um, it does about... Have in it, though. Yeah. But it's about um, Lester Burnham, midlife crisis, and the opening goes, this is my street, this is my life, in a year I'll be dead, and it's the one where he jerks off in the shower. Oh, Christ. <laughs> and he's just basically a salesperson, and then, of course, he... And this is who? What's it? This is... Um, this is the Kevin, E.T. fella? Kevin Spacey. Oh, I thought he said somebody else. No, no. Um, but he, but who's the fella in um, um, fucking what's the UFO film Spielberg builds a mashed potato? Oh, um, Richard Dreyfuss. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I thought that was him. No, but he, but what it is is he suddenly discovers that he he just decides I'm gonna sort of say to hell with it. He tries to um, bribe his Connie, sort of blackmail his boss into sort of um, get, giving him a proper thing, and then trying to sort of blackmail him because Eliza are going to show you the two pictures with somebody who's done something. And Annette Benning's like um, Car- his wife, Caroline, she's a real estate um, salesperson who's having an affair with her colleague, played by Peter Gallagher. And then you've got um, 
Flora Birch, the, the daughter who's sort of confused, and, and her friend Mina Savari, who's got the hots, who Kevin Spacey's got the hots for, and like the immortals, you know, the scenes with the, the petals. I haven't seen that. There's, well, there's the, fam- the famous scene, the poster with yeah, Mina yeah. Savari dressed in the flowers. And of course, the promo line is a lot closer. So it's the underbelly of, um, it's the underbelly of American Savari. Because I think American Beauty is also a type of rose. There's uh, literally a, a flower. Yeah, there's a flower. Yeah, there's Could a flower. There's a breed of rose. Oh, wow. I think yeah, that's really right. Nice. And it's got Chris Cooper as the neighbor. Yeah, who, he's great. Yeah. And it, it's it's again it, it's one of those that. So is this a story of some sort of like redemption? Does he get happier at the end or something? What's the well, he, he, arc? The truth is, is he's as I say the the truth is he says in a year's time I'll be dead. It's oh. about it's actually it's about kind of gaining the world but losing your soul oh, kind okay. of thing. It's directed by Sam Mendes. Um, was a DreamWorks thing. Um, DreamWorks, are they still around? Yeah, yeah, yeah. DreamWorks. It was they won the. I Oscar thought they'd be bought up by like one of the CGI companies or. No, no, they they were DreamWorks. well. I think Paramount had them, but they they were they were an independent company. DreamWorks SKG, which was like Spielberg, Katzenberg, and Geffen. So, what? Who does the CGI for Toy Story? What's that big company? Pixar. 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 Okay, right, yeah. Didn't Apple get involved in that or something? Spil- um, this was, well, the funny jobs. thing, Apple was the start-off point. Yeah. Because, um, you know, Lucas developed Pixar. It yeah. Like, because he started the computer division, right. like iWorks, and I think it was something like that. Um, but yeah, that was that. Was that. Um, and then my final choice is The King's Speech. Okay. Right, yeah. So yeah. Is this a British, British film? British film about King George the um desire to overcome... Um, to overcome the, um, the speech impediment because he's got to rally the troops, and he goes to um, he goes to Jeffrey Rush's um, doctor, who's like a speech therapist, yeah. you know. And there's a really funny um, there's a really funny American piss take on it about George Bush called the President Speech, and it's Mike Tyson trying to get George Bush to talk properly. Oh dear, God! No, if you wa- if you watch the Jimmy <laughs> Fallon, it's a Jimmy it's yeah. a Jimmy Fallon thing, but he says, you know, we. We, we, you know the King's Speech has just won the Oscar but we've got this great clip so you've got like um, you've got like Mike Tyson going like nothing. is it the real Mike Tyson it's real Mike Tyson okay. it's a brilliant it's it's actually the, the one of the funniest um, it's one of the funniest piss takes on the King's Speech anyway <laughs> but what's great about this is I just think it's a great fusion of um, acting and it's just a feel good movie and it was one where it was just near perfect as a as a film yeah very commercial Who very directed this it was a guy called Tom Hooper who directed um, Les Miserables okay. and also The Danish Girl. Yeah, that was his... Started on EastEnders as a director as well. Yeah. Who? Tom Hooper. Really? Yeah. Oh. Not, not only... Oh, I, don't, not, I don't know if actually this, started there. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's, it's... And it's got a great... Um, I think the performances are yeah. great all round. And um, I think it's... It, it, for me, it's just... It was just one that worked incredibly well mm. as a British thing. So... There you have it. Are the, um, are the Oscars always held at the same place? They've been held at different places of the earth. It used to be the Shrine Auditorium, the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion. Is this, the, is this always the same area? Like it's, Holly- say, it's, it's in Hollywood. Okay. I mean, they. I think that... Uh, as I Hollywood isn't that big an area. I wouldn't have thought that. Yeah, that but way. what it is, on Oscar night, yeah. right, You apparently they say that you've got to... Michael Caine says that when he, when he was nominated for Education Rita, he says you, you normally have to get into a big gown just after a long lunch. And you have to be... You have to sort of give yourself three hours' time to get to the ceremony because they... 
they they want everybody to hit the roll by three so they can get in ceremony because then of course there's security checks. Imagine the chaos around the front, right, that area. Well, they could, they actually start. Well, they normally, st- from what security. I understand, they start they started about four or five days before, so they have to sort of lock down. But that's the benefits of it is is if they know Oscar weekend, they can actually plan it. The LA council can say, well, look, we can do it. And then you've got roadblocks and you can, they can transform the Kodak theater and that area into like a, like a really big thing. Like they do over here for a love ceremonies, like with the O2, for example, with the, the Brits and stuff. And they can be really spect- spectacular. Um, question for you. Why do you think the Oscar is called the Oscar? It's got to be the name of the, Oh, hang on. Is it something to do with a cat? No, no. Oh, isn't it? Yeah, it's something to do so with. So it's not somebody's name. It's, that's too obvious. No, it, no, it, it, is, it, it, it is. It is. It is. Anagram, Oscar. No, no. What what it is is um, when they were creating the Oscar ceremony and the Oscar statuettes. Yeah. Somebody casually said, "He looks like my uncle Oscar." Oh, is that what it is? And that's it. That's <laughs> that's what it's named. So that's why that's yeah. why it's called the Oscar. It was what. Some, no, seriously, that's the whole legend. They said when when they conceived these things, that somebody took a look at it and said, "It looks like my uncle Oscar." Who was it that said it? I, I think it was a relative of somebody who was um, who was conceiving the statuettes. Mm. Yeah, but then the next person go, "Oh, yeah, that's fun." But anyway, this is a proper company. No, but it is the just... it's the Academy Award. It's the Academy Awards, the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. So it's technically you win an Academy Award, but it's just the nickname is the Oscars. Oh, right, yeah. So it's an academy. Yeah, because I used to get confused. Is it the Oscars or the Academy Award? And the, the, it's, the the Academy, it's the Academy yeah. Awards. It's called because yeah. it's the Award. different Academy Awards. Yeah, and of course you know that. Of course you know that the alternate Oscars are happening the day before, which is yeah, the, the Razzies. Yeah. Oh right, yeah. Is that still going? Yeah, yeah the Razzies. It's well, they sort of enjoy that now, don't well, they? The, they? Well, the thing is, is, is so the, <clears> the thing about the Razzies is that it it sort of gives everybody a chance to to watch. I mean, when when Showgirls won the Razzies, yeah. Paul, Ver, Paul Verhoeven happily turned to accept his award mm-hmm. did he do the Robocop is that he him? did yeah. Robocop yeah. Basic Instincts oh, and, um, and then the other funny thing is when Sandra Bullock won the Oscar for The Blind Side she'd also got nominated for Worst Actress for Miss Congeniality too, and she turned up to the ceremony for that <laughs> well so. um, I think Melissa I don't know if she turned up but Melissa McCarthy's nominated for Best Actress for um, Can You Ever Forgive Me yeah won, in inverted commas, a Razzie yesterday, I think. She either won or was nominated for a Razzie, but I think, she, yeah, she was nominated for, but I think she actually won for It's the Happy Time Murders. So is that, that must be getting a big a big ceremony now, Razzies. That's well, it's, like it's, 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 a, it's, it's basically the whole antithesis of her, but the great thing is is people now have embraced it and respected it in a big way because it's it's like it's a bit more lighthearted it's for the, it's just a lighthearted way but, you know out. get pe- you know people get drunk because you know the oscars are so formal and it's yeah. like four hours and everybody's you know where you know if somebody wins it's like when gwyneth paltrow sort of gets really incredibly emotional about it um but so you said um sandra bullock won an oscar for the blind side yeah she plays um i think it's the one where she's <laughs> it's, like a t- it's like a tv uh, film what are you all about yeah i didn't i who was she up against <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I can't remember. Um, I did think she was. She was I did think right, she was good in that. But the honest answer is, like, again, if you can't remember, Oscar to win an Oscar. I mean, I, I want to look up what film she was up against because I'm not going to be happy. No way. Mm. That, that was just a. Well, so who, uh, John? Who do you think is going to be? Who do you think is going to win tonight? Um, I think in terms of the, I think off the top of your head, what films are up? Like top three or four? What, what, who's well, there's up? Roma, the favourites, Star Is Born, Roma. Bohemian Rhapsody, um, If Bill Street Could Talk, um, Black Panther, isn't it? Yeah, Black Panther. What? There's like ten. There's the there's, Marvel there's, film. Yeah, yeah, there's ten. I think there's ten films up for the 
for the best film. Ten. Um, I think that I think not that I I think Glenn Close is probably it represents her best chance to win for the wife. I think this is the thing that she's never had won she's, an award. She's she's been nominated so many times. Um, and how old but, is she now? If she's in her seventies, she's getting yeah, it. Yeah, she's seventy. Yeah, she's getting an award. But she's but she's so. I think she gives a really good performance. Did she win the Golden Globe? Because that's always yeah, the yeah. Because yeah, that's not they always. Norm- well, the, the thing is, the Golden Globes are often a. But the difference is, they have two categories for comedy or musical and drama. But they, what they do say is that when um, there are certain ser- precursors ceremonies to the awards, where if like the Directors Guild and the Screen Actors Guild and the Critics Choice Awards, where they will certain there's certain like if you take Richard E. Grant he's like won God knows how many awards he's won like 25 or something you know for as his supporting role can you ever forgive me he's never won it but apparently he likes he just loves the fact that people are he's recognised for it because he's he's an actor he's somebody who looks like he's genuinely appreciative of what he's got yeah I think he's quite enjoying um, the it, but in a, in a nice way yeah, not yeah. in a sort of no, yeah, yeah. smug yeah. way but just like oh it's nice is to there, be um, is, if, the, if you're into conspiracies even mild ones <laughs> would you say like is there a reason Glenn Close hasn't won like is, is no she, it's just down a, to it's, how, it's down to the fact that I mean that's not to say there's a guarantee here's, here's a thing 1996 right Lauren Bacall was up for Best Supporting Actor, Actress, for The Mirror Has Two Faces. Okay, now you think about it. Veteran, nominated, right? And you think, okay, I thought that year, Lauren Bacall, because of her age and because yeah. of her career, she was going to get... She didn't. Juliette Binoche got it for The English Patient. Oh, okay. But so that's that, quite a heavyweight film, so you'd expect... No, okay. but, but this is the thing. It's like there isn't really a guarantee okay, of, right. you know, I, I mean, it could go... The so funny, the politics of it isn't that heavy. It is but still... It, if you take, for example, Brokeback Mountain, you know, Brokeback Mountain was the key favourite at the time with Ang Lee and, you know, and it was a movie that was quite, you know, because it was a gay yeah. romance and stuff. But Crash, you know, when Jack Nicholson announced it, he goes, Crash... Oh, really? And, he, and you know, <laughs> um, but it's 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 kind of renowned. Crash is like one of those, in inverted commas, most undeserving sort of oh, right. Oscar winners. I I, I don't it. think it's like a yeah, I there were parts of that from so that. Do you think cross. politics does play a part or not? Well, politics. I mean, in terms of what the the awards are about, I mean, Barry Norman said that it's 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 a very you know you should. I mean, Robin Williams summed it up in an interview. He said, "Look, it means something for about two weeks." And then the thing is, people don't, you know, when you think of, it's normally only when, when the following year happens and the person who, the person who, I think as I understand it, it's like when the Best Actress nomination is announced, when they, when they want to present the Best Actress, it's normally the winner of the Best Actor, mm. the previous year goes up and likewise. Oh, right. And they, you know, so you, you'll see like when Eddie Redmayne won for the Theory of Everything, you know, then he, he presented, right, I think, okay. I think he presented Brie Larson to, for so slightly, yeah, And then she had to present it to Casey Affleck and she didn't want to applaud because he's, like, because uh, he's had allegations of sort of sexual misconduct, it's been going. It, 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 and I believe I could be wrong here, but I believe that that's it's sort of been this kind of quasi open secret that he's had these issues in the past. It was only recently that it actually came to you know I think either a civil or a legal oh. case. Um, so much so that when at the last Oscars uh, he didn't present the normally the 
Best right, actor yeah. would present. It's yeah, weird. Yeah, yeah. They do this sort of. So it's like the Eurovision Song Contest last. Whoever won last time sort of has to do it this. Yeah, time. The, well, they come out and they present. So yeah, the best actor oh, will present right. to the best actress. Mm. The best actress and is that bloody Billy Crystal still up? Like no, he's he's not doing. <laughs> oh, I mean it. I mean this year, as they say, that they're, they're not they're, because Kevin Hart was withdraw withdrew um, as host because of his the homophobic oh, tweets right, yeah, he did yeah. years ago. Um, so he is out now he's not going to win but the point that is that I think as I understand it so we'll find out later is the fact that it's different hosts so I think Daniel Craig is somebody who's is one of the people who's up for it so they'll have different hosts presenting everything to keep it going there Um, is there is some weird um Rumor in inverted commas that uh, I don't know why I keep saying inverted commas. I'm very, I'm very disclaimery today. Um, but I, um, there was just an entertainment podcast that I listened to, and there was all this talk that apparently Whoopi Goldberg is going to be the and she has hosted twice, I think, a couple of times yeah. is going to be the sort of surprise. They're not even going to sort of announce it, she's just going to, yeah, show's going to open and it's oh, hosted by Whoopi well, Goldberg. She's a safe bet, and she, she's she not, would be a safe bet. She is good, yeah. she's funny, she's yeah, sort of, I would say inoffensive yeah, no one's going to go you know because obviously what you don't want is someone like Chris Rock who's going to yeah right you know she probably but might... she does carry that sort of cool cachet yeah yeah she? she's yeah. cool yeah and she's funny but she's not going to make some joke that's going to make everyone yeah. go <gasps> <laughs> that I would think of anyway maybe she does I don't but, they, but the, that's the thing is like they you know there's always this like if you take Ricky Gervais for the Golden Globes I mean he the funny thing is is they when when he does that it, it's amazing to see what when you look at what he got away with on the mm. scene, but I think that was an in joke. They they kind of felt like Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, for example, were really. If you watch the Golden Globes things on there, they do some really good ones anyway. So but that's it's a more light hearted yeah. award yeah. show anyway. Like people do get drunk. Can you it. drink at the Oscars? Do they serve alcohol? No, they they don't say, during yeah, the ceremony. Don't. But but I think the truth is, you drink an incredible as if you like the Vanity Fair party. I mean that because of all like they've got the Elton John's party. Yeah. They've got the oh, government because right, yeah. it. I th- as, I don't I'm, I don't know how it works but I think how it is you have the ceremony and then there's a there's a thing immediately afterwards which is the governor's ball which is where straight off which relaxes everyone and then once you do that you then go off to like the Vanity Fair party or the Elton John party but I mean literally after yeah. not like two days later no no it's literally you've had to sit through that the, well, how long is the Oscars if you were there they're about they can vary I mean it's like three it's like and a half 50 different hours. characters uh, categories it's like 25 I think Oh, yeah, Jesus. Not, well, they were gonna, they were going to, um, but there was a big hoo ha about it. They were going to do some awards during the commercial break, and then after the break, show almost like a very quick highlights. Yeah, and the no. winner was. But then, yeah. but then I think Quentin Tarantino and everybody else has stayed. They, they've, they've actually withdrawn that now yeah, because they, they just feel that it defeats the object of, it defeats the fact that you know everybody who makes a movie of some kind. Yeah. And they, they said, oh, we were going to do. I think from what I read, it was like they, they're going to rotate it. They're going to do this and they're going to do that. Mm. Um, I think to, br- to bring back the Oscars properly, you've got to get rid of 80% of the categories. No, no. I think what you need to get rid of is all the, all the hoo-ha and all the sketches and all the let's do a long old this and that. Yeah, just, but that's not... Like, get, get who wants to, to sit round to... Who wins second script supervisor for... I mean, I don't know if that is a thing. I, I can say sound, it is not. Who sound... Best sound engineer for... I mean... Uh, yeah, our production team are not happy with <laughs> no, that. No, they do, no, but they do, no, they do have, but the they, no, the they, they do have, actually, they do have a separate ceremony called the Scientific and Technical Awards. Yeah. So what it is, is they, in that thing, they actually talk about, um, like, the technological advances. So it could be like a boom, like a, 
Like, yeah, I mean, obviously they're not not important. I'm just t- if you're trying to make this, it's like what they do with the heavyweight boxing now. They've devalued it by create because of the money. They want ten different belts. Yeah. So you sort of go, oh, okay, whatever. Yeah, there are too many, but yeah. um, I know what you mean. Um, but then it's you need all of that. It's not a you know, it's not a one man band to make yeah, a film. But, yeah, that's no, 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 that's what I'm saying. I'm not devaluing them, but I'm just saying to have the Oscars. Why nobody watches it is because there's fifty different things. You go, I don't know which bit is it. If you go right, it's half an hour. This is the Oscars, the I, best actor, best well, I, People to, would watch it. But to be honest with you, I, I actually quite like, you know, when I watched the Oscars when it was live on BBC One and at that time, I actually quite like the, the fact that you could pay attention to those categories and that when they announced or, the, or you know, because I, I don't mind that. I think it's great to know what the best sound yeah. because... because yeah, I, I mean, I'm not saying best sound, but that's quite a big thing. But I just mean all those little ones that you said, how many did you say there was? I thought it was like 20. You said there's like 50 or something. No, 20. Yeah, probably about, I agree, about 20, 25, I think. 20. But then you've got second and first in each category sort of thing. Who no, came first? No. no. No, no, it doesn't doesn't work like that. It's just like five nominees. With oh, the, I think I've created a, an Oscars that doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, that's probably why you're getting so cross. You're like, oh, they have to do third place <laughs> yeah, Oscars. Have you ever like, seen it? No such no. thing. <laughs> oh, I'll no, I mean, that'll be, that. that'll be something, you know, you send a couple of kids on there with, to get their cake mm. and their, their pendants, you know, like, okay, you'd send, send on the offspring of the, the Oscar thing saying, so, you know. And is the thing true about they have people that fill the seats when they want to yeah. go to the toilet? Yeah. They are fillers. What, what it is, you can, they, I'm not being funny. Do they have to look like the person? No, no, it does. What it is, is they, if, Say, for example, if we take back in 1983 when Ben Kingsley won for Gandhi and stuff. So, of course, Ben Kingsley's just gone up to get the Oscar. They say, right, you, in there. Because they have to keep the things, have to keep the things. But then, if it's on the front row, does he have to look like him? No, no, it's it's just fill it. They're, they're, that's what they are. But if you've got a front just, row of Arnold Schwarzenegger, Stallone, but they, they are just no, no, they are just they are just to keep they're just to keep the place yeah, full. for the wide shots. And so. then and right, then okay, and then well. what is they say? I suppose okay. they film around it, right? Yeah, yeah they're not panning I, across. <laughs> I think, as I understand it, you can actually apply to be. You can. Yeah. There's two things you can apply for. One of them is you can actually be in the um, in the gallery when gallery when the when the people arrive and you, you apply for tickets, you can oh. actually be in that little area as the caskers are walking out. And then there's, of course, you can apply for, to be a filler. So, and, and there are people who get genuinely... But surely that's got to be hand-picked. You can't just apply. No, like, I'm sure you'd have to, like, be I mean, vetted many, afterwards or something. You yeah. think just the production yeah. people's kids or, or adult. You know. So what, I can't remember. Did we... What what did you say was going to win, or what do you think is going to win tonight? Did we even get there? I, think I we don't got know. No, I'm, I'm, is Bohemian Rhapsody up for all the big stuff? Actor... I think, I think it, Film. it. I think the way the way it's been decided. I think when you, if you, if you were to look at like what's happened in the Golden Globes and what you've happened in, you know, you can pretty much, if you were to sort of to look at all the ceremonies down, you can get a sense that maybe Roma's going to Roma and the favourites, and um, you know, some films gain momentum as time mm. goes on. Sometimes films lose momentum. Um, Who are the top heavy hitters for the actor, the best actor? Remy, uh, Remy Malik, I think, and um, Viggo Mortensen for Green Book. Okay. Um, Mahashala Ali is up for the supporting actor for Green Book. Um, Olivia Coleman. Who directed Bohemian Rhapsody? Um, it was well. It was Brian Singer is credited as director. Right. Why do I know his name? Brian um, Singer. The Usual Suspects and X Men. Oh, but okay. also because he has been caught. Well, 
Yeah, it, yeah, but he, but he's, but apparently there's been a bit of a scandal about Brian Singer. So Dexter oh. Fletcher, is this the hashtag me 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 yeah, thing. Me too. But Dexter <laughs> Fletcher, Dexter Fletcher, I think when Brian Singer was dismissed from Formula Anderson, he was dismissed for long absences. Right. Yeah. And then Dexter Fletcher, who has worked on, he did like Eddie the Eagle and stuff. They <laughs> sunshine on Leith, didn't he? Yeah, that's it. But he he actually he actually took over and finished the film and got yeah. the film in. Yeah, so but Brian Singer is because because a lot of it had been completed. Brian Singer technically contractually is still the. So he got kicked off halfway through because of he this. Was, he was fired um, with I think about two weeks left, something like that. Oh, bloody hell! Basically, he was having. Um, I think one of his relatives was ill, and there was some other. But there were also issues with him and Rami Malek. Apparently, argued quite a lot. But the best. But the, so forget best director for them too. They're just not going to get involved in all that complication, are they? Yeah, I mean the thing. Well, the the odd thing is because any any time it's one, although um, it's quite often one sort of best picture and things it's between that and sort of Roma isn't it almost there yeah. one wins one yeah this oh, awards okay, one right. wins at the other yeah, but um, and I think the BAFTAs um, gave it to Bohemian Rhapsody and yeah. Brian Singer's name wasn't even mentioned oh. he um, I think they I think for the BAFTAs didn't they change it so it was nominated for Dexter Flexture I don't think so I think it's still I, I think it's still the I mean they'll, I think this is going to be going on for a while yeah. about you know the, the essence of you know how do you? Def- it's kind of like with Richard Donner on Superman too. Yeah. You know the because Richard Donner has was actually doing the whole epic thing on Superman, and he was ma- he was in the middle of shooting Superman too, and then um, he got into an argument. The story goes apparently he didn't want to be. He would happily do the Superman too, if provided Pierce Spang- Pierce Spengler wasn't on the set. Who's he? He was the producer of, oh, of right, Superman. Okay. Um, but then he got kind of, you know, he, he didn't like it. So they got rid of Richard Donner and replaced him with Richard Lester. But the story goes that um, in the documentary said that if he'd been left alone, he would have done Superman 3 and Superman 4. Yeah. And all I'll say is that that would have been a much more tasty prospect. I think Richard Donner really still has created the ultimate Superman film. I'm still waiting on it. An updated Superman. Though. What was the Superman where he flicks the peanuts? Oh, that's, that's Superman three. That's in that one. Moment has some good moments in it, but it's not. It's a, it's an interest. Way. It's actually enough. It's an interesting concept of a good and bad Superman, and I like the. Um, and there's elements in it that are really good, but I just feel it didn't compare to Superman two with Zod, Ursa, and Non. It's mm. just. I mean, I remember. I mean, that was the biggest film in 1981. I remember going with my parents to one of the early screenings, which was, you know, first weekend. We went to watch it, and it was a packed house. And we just, um, I mean, everybody flinched when he got kicked by the diner. Yeah. In the, 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 the actual trucker in the diner. And I remember the very end of it where, you know, he, he turned up and he sort of got his um, power back. Yeah. Got his power back. Um, and I remember the very first credit when the film was said coming soon Superman three. But interesting enough, the there's it's interesting to see how those two versions compare because the Superman two Donna cut and the Superman two theatrical cut. What did you call the first one? Donner Cut. The Donner, the Donner, the Richard Donner Cut. Oh, the Natural. Oh, um, which again, everybody demanded because they, because a lot of people want to know, well, what exactly did Richard Donner right, do? Okay, but yeah. funny enough, if you watch that version, it's actually got, um, 
you'll be surprised at how much has been kept in the Superman 2 version. Because the big difference is at the very beginning of the film, in the theatrical cut, terrorists, there's a bomb on the Eiffel Tower. And Superman takes the elevator, throws it into space, <laughs> and the, the nuclear explosion frees the three villains. Right. In the Donner cut... You remember the end of remember the end of the, the end of Superman where you know the two rockets he mm. he got he threw one of the rockets he the two rockets went one of them goes into San Andreas fault well, yeah. yeah the other rocket that he threw into outer space yeah. that's the rocket that actually that's um, detonates oh, the thing okay, so in the Donner cut you actually have um, you know it's it it sort of has the dovetail of the the villains in the fo- in the Phantom Zone. And then at the just before the it goes, um, Zod goes free, <laughs> and then it cuts to like the classic, um, and then Marlon Brando's in there. So all yeah, the kind I of stuff. About that. Yeah, he's yeah. in there. Yeah, because um, it's Danny York in number two, isn't it? Instead, yeah. I could never let go the fact that, uh, like, oh, who's this? Was Superman? Oh, Clark Kent. Where's Superman gone? Yeah, come on. What are you blind? What are you talking about? We're talking about a film where a guy can fly and has yeah, super strength. Yeah, and so, but, yeah, Chris, yeah, but Christopher Reeve said he goes. The thing is, he's very good at his disguise. It's that you know, there's moments like the the bit where you know we're in Niagara Falls and he and he he sort of saved the kid and the course yeah, and and Lois Lane says, "Well, do this." Me, he goes, he goes. Just when Superman was there, he goes, "Superman was here." God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think to him it's. I think it's in the performance. Yeah, let it go. It, Don't yeah. let it go. Um, right. So that was the Oscars podcast. Um, uh, any thoughts? The so we, you haven't decided what you think. You haven't got a no. what you think going to be. I, I, I think. I think to be honest with you, I, I'm. I'm just as excited to find out what happens later yeah. on. Anyway, it's when is it on UK time? It starts at two in the morning, tonight or tomorrow. Tomorrow morning, okay. two and two in the morning, because they normally started at because it's LA is eight hours behind, so oh, normally it kicks off at six p.m. Um, Los Angeles time and then as I say it goes on until 6 and then basically the early morning breakfast stuff so right. BBC and I mean Pierce Morgan and Susanna Reid are doing a special um, GMB um, live from the Oscars right. straight after and he's got I think they've got Mel B and Jane Seymour coming in to talk about the fashions and the movies and, and um, I think they've they've taken over a suite at one of the Beverly Hills hotels. And okay, stuff. so we don't have it on uh, like one of the terrestrial channels over no, here. No, it's it's normally on Sky. I think they oh, have the right, Sky okay. Oscar channel and stuff because they they Sky have the exclusive. You know, um, I remember watching it on the. Um, as I say, I remember watching it on the movie channel on mm. Sky when that was when Sky when when we when I was living at a flat in Kilburn. Um, we I was I had cable TV part of the deal cost me 180 that that place i lived in was 180 quid a month all inclusive yeah, back in 92 that. that's 93. a day that's for the day now yeah that couldn't even pay for my bloody <laughs> that barely pays for yeah. my travel car now well that? my top thing of this the oscars is that the first ceremony only had two i've forgotten now 200 people yeah and it lasted all of five minutes Oh, was that how long? Yeah, five that's what they said. The Carl hey, Morden, what was that? <laughs> yeah, but Carl Morden, who he was the president of the Academy for a while, and he he did this. Um, they did Oscars greatest. I had this VHS tape of Oscars greatest moments, and he said, "Do you realize the first ceremony? They it lasted five minutes, and that's all they did." And do you know what the, the awards were? Was it like I want it to be like best film, director? best film of 
the best film of 1928 was um, Wings. Wings. Yeah. Wings. Was, right, was, who's that? It was about fighter pilots. Yeah, World War, World War One pilots. I think. I think it was sort of almost like, um, you know, uh, sort of. Trying to think of the film. I mean, were they talking at that point? No, it wouldn't yeah. have been. A, oh, it wouldn't okay. have been. It was a talk. No, it was a talk. Yeah, because oh, twenty eight. Yeah, well, nineteen twenty seven was the jazz singer. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Okay. But isn't wasn't it? Because but wasn't it actually not in that year? Isn't that the thing that Wings was released? The it won an Oscar a year. Under under the what are the current things? Mm. It would have been the previous year. Yeah, I think that's right. I, I, but I think it was you know I I think it was because it was all new. I think they they yeah. had to you know. But um, again, it'd be another thing to sort of think about. Right. So that's the Oscar podcast. So I'm um, I'm going with you're going with uh, Bohemian Rap. For those again who aren't watching on the Periscope or whatever, special T-shirt, lucky yeah. T-shirt for who's his name, Remy. Rami, Rami Malik. Malik. Come on, Rami Malik. Come on, son. Don't um, let us down. <laughs> Theo's wearing a queen t-shirt. Well, you know, he might yeah. be on the show one day. Um, <laughs> well, don't laugh. All right, so that's it. Anything last words? Are we done? I'm done. Well, you've done another great job, John. Yeah, Fantastic. Thank you very much. Thank you so, uh, cool. Hope you enjoyed that, ladies and gentlemen. And ciao. You've been listening to the Vialucci Podcast, recorded live in London every week for Facebook, YouTube, and Periscope. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe on iTunes and leave us a comment. Or, to get in touch with the show, go to vialucci.com and follow the links. So from me, Shani Annand-Barron, and my co-hosts, Theo X and Andrew Fawn, have a great week and we'll see you next time. Watching shadows on the wall In the bottom screen that's cold I'm in the corner With my head in the dream To myself I quietly so many things to get you off And I cough and I scoff And take another drag of my cigarette And I don't mind if the sun don't shine Body weather suits me fine Pour another glass of wine On the board tonight I think I'll be a superstar